Hey there, I'm Tiffy Rubinet, General Manager at Wealthy. If you've been listening to our podcast, hopefully enjoying it, and you are considering investing in real estate, then reach out to the team. We can offer you a free strategy session and we would love to help you out. Our contact details are in the description below. Enjoy today's show. Hey everybody, before we start this week's podcast, I wanna give you a quick deal alert. Um, Sam has been working on this deal for a couple of months. It is basically six off the market townhouses in Ivanhoe. Now, Ivanhoe is a great little area in Melbourne, about nine kilometers from the CBD in the medical precinct. Um, These things are absolutely beautiful, four stories, private garage, rooftop deck, private, beautiful um, quality finishes. There's $869,000. And based on the comparisons that we're looked in the market, that is between forty dollars and $100,000 less than the comparable sales. There's very limited supply. It's a tightly held area where the median price of houses is $1.5 million. For those of you that don't know Ivanhoe or not from Melbourne, I would compare it to maybe a, it feels like a Wallara, but it's kind of like a St. Ives Warunga vibe. Big houses, very leafy but um, it's similar proximity to say Marrickville. Beautiful area. Sam, I'll shut up. Can you tell us a little bit more about why clients should be getting in now and um, yeah, why you like it? Yeah, sure. So um, like I said, Dom, the um, the proximity to the CBD is just about nine kilometers out um, and is equivalent to just say um, uh, to Marrickville. The fixtures and finishes are, are quite high. Um, and also the, the incentives that I've been working with the developer the last couple of months have finally come into fruition. So um, I, I think it's time to jump uh, to jump on these because at the moment the government stamp duty incentive is um, is, is 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 going to expire on the th- on the end of this financial year. So right now, if you were to buy this, it's at forty thousand dollars of stamp duty. Um, but if you were to jump on before the end of this financial year, you could possibly save that twenty thousand dollars in um, in stamp duty um, savings. So um, there's that incentive, and also the further incentive of twenty thousand dollars from the developer. So that takes it up to forty k. Um, and to just touching base on from an investor's point of view, where the supply of the area uh, for townhouses of this quality of this kind of product is very low. I mean, by all means, go online and, and see it for yourself. There is actually nothing online. Um, everything is about the million dollar range so um i think this is this is a really really good opportunity yeah i agree so sam thanks for getting that site I'm very excited off the market we've got six um inquire with the team sam is taking the lead louis all over it the team have created an amazing presentation i uh, will be sending some drone footage up so you can get up close and intimate with the site uh, and understand it it is completing in September this year, so it's nearing completion. If you want to know more, reach out to the team and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, Dominic Neshi here with the lovely Tiffy Rubinat. Did How I pronounce that right? No. <laughs> oh, come on. It's, can I pronounce it yeah, correctly? Yeah. Rubinato. That's the way. Um, guys, today we have a fantastic show. Uh, Tiffy and I haven't sat on this podcast together for over three months. Um, the last time that we caught up, we were talking about what we were planning on investing in. Yep. One of us proved to be a better executioner than the other. Uh, you. <laughs> uh, and this podcast, we want to talk about what we've actually done since then. You know, we had a bunch of ideas about what we're trying or planning to do. And today we're going to review what we have done and the lessons that we've learned along the way, as well as what 
we plan on doing going forward. So everyone in this business invests. We invest in some of the projects that we deliver or someone's always buying something. Um, and sometimes our strategy deviates and we buy other stuff as well. So it's important for you to hear all the stories. On that note, Tiffy, do you want to talk about what we said we were going to do? Yes, let's do that. Yeah. So we were sitting mid-Jan and I mentioned I was in the process of remortgaging some properties. I started my journey investing in New Zealand two years ago and those properties have more than doubled in value in two years. So great for me. It's the good and the bad, as in great equity. Now trying to find new deals at those old price points, those price points no, no longer exist. So I had to uh, adjust my expectations. And originally I wanted to also buy in Australia. So I've already fully executed on purchasing my first Australian property. And I bought in Melbourne. I mentioned that was the city I liked best. I went and I bought in Melbourne. I, I'm fully committed to my Australian journey. In the Spanish podcast last week, I did explain why now I'm liking a lot more the Australian property market than the New Zealand. And it has a lot to do with politics and new regulations coming into the New Zealand market. Mm. Where, where in the past, I saw a massive price difference. Now that price difference is no longer price difference is no longer there and when it comes to deposits required I need more than double the money in New Zealand for like let's say a half a million purchase price in Australia I can get in with 50k in New Zealand I need at least 200k to purchase that property which is too much it's a lot of cash yeah but still with my equity releases the bank told me Tiffy were giving you all of this money on the condition that you go and purchase another property in New Zealand so it's like free money I'm putting zero money of my own to purchase two more properties in New Zealand so that's what I'm doing I wish I could use that money to bring it back to Australia though so just to summarize Tiffy said that she was going to go buy some property didn't say how much and she's now currently about to execute on two properties in New Zealand and uh, has signed a contract, uh, paid a deposit, and you're buying a property here in Melbourne. Yes. You're buying a, a beautiful Melbourne townhouse, 450000 Yes, exactly. So it's um, four bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms, double car garage. It's in a place that has a train station 34 minutes away from the Melbourne CBD for 450 k And the great news... I think is that I went bought a, a lot of my friends and people who have been following my journey have been telling me for a long while like hey I want to do something with you it's like this is your chance to go and buy next door and basically we've sold out of those townhouses we're trying to see if we can get any stock available in future stages because that did so well and performed so well even friends that I've got who are originally New Zealand investors, just like I was in going for the same cash flowing strategy I was doing in New Zealand. They saw what I was doing there and also came and bought in Melbourne. That's an awesome journey because I've been a part of the whole thing. We went and inspected it all. We went and see the, saw the builds. We went and checked out all the estates. Um, it was quite the journey to buy this property. Um, before before we, we jump into the lessons that we learned, and I want to talk about some of that stuff, a bit of an update on what I've done. Let's hear it. Not a lot. You've done, sorry. <laughs> You've done a lot, and for the clients out there, it doesn't happen from one day to the next. No, it takes time. And 
what you were working on was your finance, right? So that's exactly right. For me, I, I, I had to work on my finances. This is why when you decide to go and purchase, it takes months to get ready. And especially when you've got a more complicated portfolio. I've got a trust, I've got a couple of, quite a few properties that I need to go and get all the, the tax stuff done. I had to do a tax return. I had to um, <laughs> consolidate some finance. I, there was a heap of moving parts. So for me, as your comp as your situation gets more complicated, like yours, it takes months to go and get your finance all together. How how long would you say it took you? Well, it's not finished yet. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start this process? Basically in January. So it's it's been nearly three months. I, I could have gone faster, but I but we're doing things here it, too. It takes time. So everyone on the other side understands. Like for me, the reason why I want to use so badly this equity. I started the equity release process October last year, and in the changes of regulations with New Zealand, once they approved they approved it, they told me you need to be settling within two months' time whatever you want to purchase. Like now that I've taken five months to do my remortgage, I'm using that money. Mm. Takes a while. So, so, uh, the beauty is that, you know, in that time of me doing my finances, I haven't been sitting idle. Um, part of the investment journey is figuring out what the hell do you want. That's the hardest part. Because Have you defined it, Dom? I'm, I'm pretty close. So on that journey, I was, I traveled to Melbourne. We've been traveling all over Australia. Um, I've been looking at, Markets everywhere, Launceston. I've been looking in Tasmania. I've been looking in Brisbane. I've been looking at house and land, multiple income properties. I've been looking at commercial, industrial. Uh, I had a look at some big, beautiful um, apartments off the plan, some really stunning apartments off the plan. Some, some big ones, I want like a penthouse or something. I was looking at apartments in Coogee, uh, small townhouses in Maroubra. I was looking at small commercial sites in... Uh, Marrickville, my my, my journey has been widespread. I've been looking southwest Sydney, um, all over Melbourne. So for me, it was difficult because one, I didn't really know 100% what I wanted. So I was looking everywhere. Mm -hmm. Two, it's not just me anymore. I have a partner. So Charlotte has a say in our finances, um, a big say. And, and also you've evolved as an investor and you're coming to a point where you're also considering buying your own home after having postponed that for a long while, right? Yeah, so I, I did, I did. I was thinking about buying my own home. So what I've done is I've scrapped that, not buying my own home, <laughs> I'm buying an investment. It's way easier to buy investments. Yeah, I'm not spending two million bucks in, on, a, on a house and I just was like, that's just too much for me and there's no income and it's, and also the frustrations of you get, You went to a few auctions in Kuji. You were telling me all about how the prices that come up in an auction have nothing to do with the reality of what price it actually sells. No, no, no. The auction, <laughs> the price guide is not relevant no. at all, <laughs> especially not in this market. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've, I've put that aside. And what I realized for me, what is important for me and this part of my journey, what I want is I want to learn more about uh, construction and development and in the pursuit of eventually owning my own mega mansion, because for me, just so you all know, you know, you're all invited to party at my house one day. I love to host. For me, buying my own home is important and it is a very successful investment strategy to go and buy your own home, do it up and then flip it or sell it in the, in the future because you'd pay no CGT. I saw my old bosses do this. They made mm. lots and lots of money doing it. 
And for some of my old bosses, they were, they were passionate about it. For me, I'm very passionate about design, architecture, buildings, obsessed. But I'm not naive enough to say that I'll do it great the first time. Yeah. We all, there's a learning curve in every single one of our projects. Absolutely. So I want to I go buy a small house somewhere and then I'm going to spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars, renovate it, start that journey. And then this is where the, the, it gets a bit complicated. I don't know if I'll move into it or, or not because Charlotte doesn't want to move away from the water. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just keep it as an investment property, pull the equity out and then buy it. Maybe the next one will be our own home. But the moral of that story is I'm getting clearer. I know what I want to go for. I know the lessons that I want to learn in the experience. And I know the outcome that I want out of this investment. So for me, I've used the three months to go and get my finances basically together. They're very close. I've refinanced some debt and I've gotten very clear on what I'm after. Makes where, sense. Well, you've been buying stuff. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like I, I went to, through the exact same journey probably six months before you, mm. right? So I kicked off, or three months before you. So I kicked off in October, the remortgage. I was also, I did a little bit of a, a 360 of what I wanted, what I didn't want. And then it's like, okay, let's stick to my plan. All along, I've established what I'm trying to achieve. And for those who have never heard this before, I'm trying to go for financial freedom, okay? So when we met Dom and I the first time, I told him like, I'm creating my passive income to cover my cost of living, right? Like, I just... That's my objective. I'm willing to sacrifice delaying my own home because I don't want my cost of living to go up. So that won't mean I'm a millionaire. Like my cost of living is pretty low. And when the guys hear how much I spend on things like accommodation or my car, it's like I, I keep it very tight budget, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm keeping true to my objective and I keep reinforcing with every single person I sit and sits across of me. It's the more you know what you want, the easier it will become to define a strategy and to keep pushing when things get hard because things at some point will get hard. And if you're like, mm, I don't know, I just want to buy a property and you don't know why you're doing it, it gets a bit hard. And I have heard clients say like, oh, it, maybe it wasn't meant for me. Like, no, if, if it's a good deal, you know how to recognize it, then let's get this done. And in every single transaction that I've done, everything that I bought so far, there was always something that I had to go and push forward and keep pushing and keep pushing. And I do it because I believe in what I'm buying and what comes next and what, you're, what I'm trying to achieve in the medium to long term. Which is a very good point because there's two things in there that I find very valuable. One, nothing goes to plan. No. <laughs> nothing Pl goes plans to plan. Plans are important. I always plan, but then plans change. Yeah, plans, you need to have a framework. You need to understand what the outcome is and what does success look like. But when you're buying a complicated, when you're buying something like a property, it's a complicated process. There's finance, you're incorporating a bank, there's lots of documentation, there's valuations that you have to go and get. Then there's the contract itself. You have to review it, you have to make sure it all makes sense. There might be time sensitivity. There's yeah. a lot of different people that are going to help you along the way because you're naive if you think you're going to do it all by yourself. There's no way I could do this by myself. No way. Not when you're not when you're busy. Not when you if you're doing something, if you're if you're you've got kids, if you're running, you've got your job and depending on what type of job you have and how much time you can commit to it, it's very difficult. So I want to use use Tiffy as an example. Um, 
Tiffy hasn't got the time. She's a general manager of this business. She hasn't got the time to go out and do everything herself. So she pays. Uh, uh, I paid a sourcing agent in New Zealand to go and find me the type of deal I was after to agree with my strategy, but also the bank was putting also other things that I need to be compliant on to release the equity, okay? So they were asking me for a, a minimum rental appraisal and and. So I, it wasn't just go and get whatever you want. And I was rushing against the clock because I needed to go find the property, run all of my due diligence, exchange contracts and settle in less than 60 days. But the beautiful thing about Tiffy's strategy and what she's doing is she's very clear and understands w- what she's after. And when you've started, the, when you're clear on what you want and you've started your journey, you become very good at identifying what is a good deal. Yes, and the sourcing agent brought a few deals to the table. It required me to put quite a few offers. Most of them didn't get accepted. But with every deal he brought to me, we were aligned. We both understood and and had the same level of education. So to every single deal, I said, yes, let's move forward. Let's put an offer today. So how I'm getting deals across the line, it's... It's time sensitive. Speed. I, I needed to be, if I detected something listed today, yesterday, I'm putting offers within like the next two hours of me having found the deal because I run my numbers quickly. If it makes sense, then I can, I put offers, the negotiation starts and then I have more time to go and deep dive on other things, right? But I won't spend my time doing a lot of due diligence if I'm not under contract because otherwise I'm spending time and money on something that I might not be able to buy. But you can do that because you're clear. Yeah. You know what you're after. You know the yields that you want. You know the markets that you're after. A lot of our clients come in and they talk to us and they've got no idea what they want, which is fine because we're here to help you. Um, we're here to help guide your your, your journey. We're help identify what is important to you as well. Yes, but how important is it like they might not know what they want from a property perspective. But one thing that we do need our clients to know is what they're trying to achieve. What are their objectives? What does success look for them? Because in every situation where we sit with a client and they don't know what they want, how it usually goes is we go around in circles and we might show them 10 amazing deals mm. and they they just don't know what they're after. So there's always an excuse to keep seeing, Right. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And it's also because, I, I, I dare say it's because, one, when you're inexperienced and you haven't bought something, it's very nerve-wrenching. Yeah. Um, you don't know what is a good thing. No. Until you've seen many deals, you don't know. Second thing is they may start the journey and want to buy something, but then they'll hit a roadblock. The first issue will pop up. Yes. And that'll test their rigor. And unless they're true to what they are after, that first roadblock, will they'll, f- they'll fly off and they'll lose it. So, for instance, as we were saying earlier, nothing runs the plan. Tiffy was trying to buy this property. She had a negative valuation. Yes. I hope you don't mind me sharing some no, of your no, story. No, no, let's do it. So, uh, Tiffy went to buy this $450,000 property. The valuation came short, uh, $20,000 or $30,000, whatever it was. And... We, it was it was it was ludicrous. We thought, how could it possibly be undervalued? But we just kind of kept our head on. You had one mortgage broker didn't know how to manage it, so then we had another mortgage broker step in to help. Yes, and I'll let you tell the rest of the story. So the story is 
the valuation didn't come below market value, but because I'm buying land and build, the valuer was trying to play smart and they valued the land above the purchase price and uh. the build below the purchase price. So the total price was okay. However, what happens is with doing that, valuing 30K more for one thing and 30K less for the other, what it means is the banks will only lend me the lower number. So even if they value the land above, they just lend me a certain percentage of the contract price for the land and the build, they valued it below. So they lend me just a percentage of the lower price point. So I always try to practice what Robert Kiyosaki preaches, <laughs> which is uh, it's not a I can't, it's how can I make this work? So let's talk to someone who's experienced in this type of product I'm purchasing because you can have a great mortgage broker but who's very experienced in one type of deal and they're not experienced in the type of deal that you are after. So we started looking for a mortgage broker who would be very good at these house and land packages that I was trying to, to get into. And basically we went and got two other valuations and both came on the money and slightly above valuations, right? So for me, I knew it was a great deal. I was like, I'm making this work. I want to buy this. And in the end, we ended with three valuations. Three came on the purchase price. Just one was a bit conflictive, but the other two were great. And then I had the choice of going forward with the two best banks I had checked in. Yeah, and, and <coughs> it wasn't that simple because you had to hustle. Yeah, oh, for sure. There was a lot of hustling, running around, time sensitivity. I'm telling this as if it were. But Easy. The, no, the key I was on the phone with you. Hey, Dom, I can't, I'm going to be an hour late because I've got to do this. I've got to run yeah. to the bank. I've got to talk to this person. I've got to talk to that manager. It was chaotic. And- and that's the thing. I was like, I'm really glad this happened to me and not to any of my clients because probably any of my clients were, would have told me like, oh, well, then let's go and look for something else. And then, no, this is a great deal. I want this and I'm willing to hustle because that's what I've been doing since my, the very beginning of my journey as an investor. But also there's something in that. Um, I want to talk about this next part. I'm by no means done with the topic of lessons that we've learned, but... What you said there is very important. There's a few things. One was, you know, you're working with different mortgage brokers. Yes. So when you go on an investment journey, you're going to, you can, you can get it yourself into trouble trusting people. Yes. If you invest your trust into the wrong people and they lead you astray, it can hurt you. You can, one mortgage broker may not know how to write the loan. They say they do, but they don't. Yes. And then that leads you astray. It can hurt your, you may get uh, denied, which ruins your, your credit, credit score. Um, and it make it harder for you down the road to go and get a, a, a loan. However, if you trust nobody, you're not going to get anything done. Agree. Agree. So that's a great topic, Dom, because I'm the type of person who s trusting people, I I struggle at the beginning, right? Yeah. So how I found these to work in in the um, real estate investment world for me is I have always appreciate like tried to learn from people who are a bit more advanced than I am, and whenever they recommend someone that is part of their team and they believe it's a good team member, I take them on board and I trust from the very beginning because it comes recommended. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it pays sometimes to be to trust the process, to trust the people around you, unless I've proven otherwise. Exactly. You exactly. can pick it up in their character, the way they talk to you, do they respond on time, do they res do they return your phone calls, 
all the little things yes. help build trust in that relationship. Um, if you don't trust these people, if you go and take part of the advice, you'll only get part of the result. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I will always say internally this, but what is the difference between wealthy and any other company that could do something similar to us is you get the wealthy team. Yeah. I think, and I'm not going to be humble about this, I think we have a great team. And you won't get the wealthy team anywhere else with the level of experience we've got, with people hassling on your behalf. Mm. And I don't know if, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this in other podcasts, but when we defined what we wanted to stand for is Wealthy wants to be the most trusted real estate investment company worldwide, okay? Yeah. We don't want to be the biggest or the simplest or anything. We want to be the most trusted. We know this is an industry full of sharks. It's complex to navigate. And we always have freedom, anyone who works at Wealthy, to go and do what's right for the client, okay? We nev we'll never push any type of product or anything that isn't right for you. So we all feel great about coming to work because we're actually helping people, right? If it fails a trust test, for us, it's gone. Exactly. So there's a massive difference when you deal with someone who trusts you and is a bit more experienced. That's a very easy sale. And great, it's a win-win for everyone, right? And then the hardest one and, and the hardest client is probably someone who that hasn't like just found you by chance. They, they haven't received you as a recommendation from anyone else, so the trust isn't there. And they're just starting, they don't know what they want, and, and they might be going round in circles without trusting you. That's right, because at a certain point, you know, you need to, whether it's us or other people that you work with, you need to invest in the process and the person that you're working with because I've noticed in my time or my experience where there's a trusting dynamic where it's clicked over in my mind and I thought, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to trust them. I'm going to trust their advice. I'm going to go with it, fight for a good deal, but I'm going to invest in the process. The outcomes are so much nicer. The 100%. outcomes are so much cleaner. You get to the result that you need to. It takes a lot of courage to just invest your trust in someone else but the alternative is not nice. I know. You know, people just get caught in never taking action usually when it's the opposite, when there is no trust or they try to take some of the information of what you've said could work. Like, hey, I like this area. And then they go and find the totally wrong opportunity. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you so far, but not all the way. So, you know, and, and this is, fine because I, I want all of you listening to take as much as you can from what we're saying and, and how we, we give you information to go do it yourself hmm. but recognize that w we are baking a cake there's a whole recipe involved when you're buying an investment there's the area there's you know then there's the property then there's the management then there's the finance if you only take three of the four parts of the recipe, you're not going to get the same result. No. You may pick the right area, but then you'll go and buy the wrong product, finance it incorrectly, and then get the wrong property manager. Yeah. And then that's discouraging for you, not for us. And I, I try and encourage clients, like, hey, if you're going to come on the journey, come with us and we'll help you. But if you try to take a piece of the puzzle, you're not going to get the same result. And also being realistic, Dom, you started saying I was trying to define what I wanted to do and you defined that you want to build your 
own amazing home someday, but you understand there's a learning curve. So now you're trying to buy something that you can go as a smaller project and learn from that experience. So you've defined that what you want is actually a learning experience. Yeah. A lot of people want, like, think, okay, like it just sounds smart to go and do a renovation. They're not doing it for the learning experience. They don't understand how much pain and suffering there is involved. And because they don't have a strong why they're doing all of this, a few problems will come up and they won't be able to keep pushing. Yeah, and we sell brand new property because it suits a specific demographic. It suits a certain type of investor. And frankly, all property investors should have brand a portion of their portfolio should be brand new. Because you need to diversify your portfolio. You need to have a bit of everything. Yeah, you do. Um, and you should have a piece of brand new property in your portfolio. Now, uh, when your portfolio matures, you start to recognize different types of deals. You might want some commercial. You might want some land. You might want whatever. You might want to go do your own uh, developments one day. As, as I was just saying, Tiffy, for me, I want to go buy my own mansion one day. I want, you know, my own home. But the pursuit of that is going to be many steps. If I go and jump straight to that, I'm going to hurt myself. Yes. So <laughs> if I take steps, hopefully the mistakes that I make, I can afford. Are, are a smaller scale, right? Yeah. So actually, just to add context, so the project that I'm thinking about buying, I don't, I, I'm going to probably spend $600,000 on a house. And maybe a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in a renovation. Maybe a hundred thousand renovation. So small. And, and if you spend, let's be clear with our own audience. If you spend a hundred k in the renovation, cash, it's cash. Yeah. It's because you have a dad who's a builder. It's like yeah, let, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. be clear that a hundred k renovation, he's getting like the value of like a three hundred, four hundred k renovation out of that, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I've got the I've got the advantage of having one a network around me. So yes. it's not just my father. It's I've been dealing with developers, builders, tradespeople mm. my whole life, um, architects. You know, all they're all at my disposal. Two, I have the freedom of working with an amazing team around me so I don't have to do everything I can I can take some time off in uh, at the end of the day if I need to to go and manage part of the project or whatever so I have the freedom of some time that's yeah. a big one so it's a number of steps before you can get to that Agree. it's not as simple as just buying something renovating and hope for the best agree and don't believe for one second that Dom has the freedom of a lot of time because you no. do put a lot of hours into the business. <laughs> he says that, but then you also have to work really hard. And so that's why you can also, we discussed in the last podcast three, three months ago, you mentioned you wanted to do like a development. Mm. You've recognized that right now you cannot manage a full development. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm going to keep it nice and small. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so spending all this money? No, I'm not. Pausing, going to just shrink it all and start with something manageable. Awesome. So may I say that I think that that's a good lesson for our clients as well. Yes. Because we have some clients now and, and the guys are dealing with clients that have three, $400,000 cash and they're tossing up, do I go buy my own home? Do I go buy a small investment? Do I do a renovation? And this is their first purchase. So <laughs> there's a lesson in that. Start small. Start small. Learn the lessons that you ha- can along the way. And you can always go bigger later. A hundred percent. I started small by not even buying a hundred percent of the properties myself. I looked for uh, joint venture agreements and I was owning a percentage of each of those properties, right? That's, it had a lot to do with me being able to access 
visa, finance, etc. But I'm glad that I was able to start small and grow as my portfolio grows. Like now I'm buying things that are 100% under my name. Great. Mm. But actually started way smaller than that. Yeah, you started part ownership and then a bigger ownership and now you're full ownership. Exactly. So start within your means. It's a journey. Mm, 100%. Have we have we ticked everything on that list, Tiffy? Um, probably most of it. So when we were talking about lessons, one of the things that we did talk about was getting things done quickly and time sensitivity. Mm. Now, for people who are a bit less experienced than we are, who struggle a bit more to recognize a good opportunity from a not so great one, one of the lessons we've learned is that if you go into, you can have short processes or long processes, right? I'm, I'm doing very fast processes right now because I'm required to. But having said that, we've seen clients who have the luxury of time. And that can be a very negative thing because the more time we have on our hands, the more we can think things over and find excuses not to do something. Fear kicks in. Exactly. Is this the right idea? Exactly. Just like when I'm at home and I have a neighbor complaining and I think, oh, like they have nothing to do all day. And that's why they're compla- like finding reasons like they're filling their day with anything that has nothing to do with their lives. Here, it's the same thing. When you have too much time, you overthink things and you just start finding problems, really. That's exactly right. And I've been there. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like a, a buyer's remorse. You've said, I'm going to buy something. Or I'm going to go and invest in a project. I'm going to start something. And the longer you leave it to sit and dwindle and wait and, and nothing happens, yeah. you start talking yourself out of it. Exactly. You start going back to your old, uh, behaving the way that you did in the past, which is it's easier to do nothing. It is way easier. And in fact, when we are talking to clients who tell us they have a lot of money in cash, there's two types of clients with a lot of money in cash. Mm. Very experienced clients who have a lot of money because they've done really well and they know how to seize the moment and recognize good deals. And then there's people who have been sitting on too much savings and have never gotten started, right? And that's probably your first watch out is if you're sitting on... I want to say 200, 300K. If you're sitting on 100,000 or more, <laughs> yeah. what you've developed is a skill at saving. At, and not one at investing. And one not at investing. Yes. Now, the hardest part mm. for a saver is now to spend. And they get comfort on seeing their um, bank account saying that number mm. and they f- they feel like that's a safety net. In my case, I'm the opposite. Mm. I, I always like joke around and my, my friends joke with me. I was like, I see a bit of money in my bank. I was like, I'm, I'm spending this on another property. I, it's burning me. It's like, it's burning me because that money could be doing so much more invested elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's people feel empowered having cash, mm. but it's also a huge, it comes at a detriment. Like you, you need to make your cash work. It's potential. Cash is potential power. That's the thing. We have so many hours in our day Mm. to physically go work, generate an income. But then we want to have an income generating a passive income without us actively working, right? That's what, to me, a passive investment looks like. So we want to make sure that you keep working, you keep saving, but you keep investing because whether your objective is to retire 
comfortably or retire in 10 years of time or buy your own home or whatever, you won't, ev you won't be able to get to that objective if you don't have money working for you whilst you sleep, basically. Yeah, there's only so many hours you can work. Exactly. But if you own shares or you own real estate or any type of property ownership, whilst you're sleeping, it's working. Yes, it is. That's there's why it's passive. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. It's yeah. growing, it's moving, it's giving you rental income, it's performing whilst you're not doing anything. So sitting on that cash savings is great. It's well good. Done. It's well done that you've saved that money. Yes, but you need beginning. to make it work now. Yeah. You know, it's funny because Charlotte's a similar, is like this type of person. Charlotte knows how to save really well. Her parents gave her great habits on saving. They used to give her an allowance at the start of the week when she was a kid. And that allowance, she had to pay for her own toothpaste and her own clothes and everything. Cool. So she learned how to save really, really well. However, now she sucks at spending. And you're very good at spending. <laughs> I'm good at spending. <laughs> she sucks at spending. She'll, she'll um, call me, she'll be in a shop and she'll have, hey Dom, she'll call me and say, hey Dom, I've got jeans, t-shirt, da 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 should I buy it? And I'll say, yes, <laughs> you've worked hard, you've earned it and then she'll buy it. But it's it's funny because even for investing, it's the same thing. It's it's seeing that money go, it's like, oh my gosh, my my money. Yes. You know, it's it's gone. You need to say goodbye. You need to use that money because it's it's a it's a false comfort sitting in cash. Exactly. So, um, yeah, get out there and start investing. Hey, <laughs> you were gonna say start spending. <laughs> I was gonna say spend spending, but that's the easy one. Yeah. Um, Tiffy, is there anything else that you want to cover today? No, I think we've covered everything. I usually like leaving people with one message, mm. and the message that I keep reinforcing, so I'm being a bit repetitive on my messages, is if you've been considering investing, you've never done this before, you've saved up some money, then if you haven't spoken to any of the wealthy team members, you should, 100%. Mm. And just make sure you're not caught in analysis paralysis. It's way better to get started, whether you do it with us or anyone else or by yourself, and it doesn't go according to plan. It never does. It never goes according to plan. But it's way worse to never get started. That's right. And, you know, I, I want to keep to that. If you're listening and you've only got a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand dollars, you say, hey, I can't afford a property. Start practicing investing. Maybe have a look at stocks or have a look at other investments where you can get used to analyzing an investment, uh, understanding cash flow. Um, maybe even come and talk to the team. We're happy to chat to you. If you haven't got enough money, if you feel like you don't have enough money, still chat to us. There are very clever investments that you can go and make that isn't necessarily a property yet. You just said something really important. I know we were closing, but I something came to mind from a learning from a client. Yes. So this client, he's a good friend of mine and he started investing in shares and he's done well. Mm. And then he called me and said, Tiffy, I want to invest in property. And I've learned that I'm a very emotional investor. He was being very open and honest with himself about the kind of investor he was. If I wake up and it's not the right day and the shares are going down, fear kicks in. And instead of me trying to make a rational decision, I just go and sell, right? Mm -hmm. So basically he's done well with shares, but he now recognizes that he wants to go into property because he, A, believes in, in real estate investing and, and the power and how we c he can use leverage to get further 
in life. But also he told me for my style of investment where I'm, I'm, I fear a lot, I'd much rather go into something that I cannot, like according to the mood of my day, go and sell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I congratulated him because he actually didn't start that long ago investing in shares, probably a year ago. And if he would have never started, he would have never realized the type of investor he is. So he learned from that experience. And so he's way further in his journey, even if he's never bought property, that's someone who's never done anything. Absolutely. Mm. So take that away. Go and, go and make some investments. Talk to the team. Talk to Jody. Uh, you know, I hope all of you have got some value out of today's podcast. Uh, if you liked it, like it. If you, you feel like some of your friends should be listening to the show, please share it. Leave a nice rating or review. And we love the comments. Share, you know, leave a comment. Send us a message. Let us know if we've missed anything or you want to know more. We'll address it in our next podcast ask questions and if you have your own experience i love when people share their ex- own experiences whether you agree with what we said or not that's fine you you are allowed to have a different opinion we if you're watching this on youtube you can leave it in the comments i love good discussions mm. yeah tiffy thank you for coming on the show it's always a pleasure it's a pleasure dom we'll see you next time catch you